Making Sense of Education by Holistic Think Tank. Today we are joined by a teacher for Chicago, Agata Panit. We will talk about American education system. Agata, how you are related to education? I teach for Chicago Public Schools. I teach middle school, sixth and seventh grade. I've been teaching for the past 22 years. So I finished um, high school in Chicago. I finished my junior and senior year, and then I continued my education. I I went to college. I got my bachelor's um, in elementary education, and then my first master's is in linguistics. My second master's is in school administration and half of my PhD is in reading and language and and then life happened and I just continue teaching at my school. I've been teaching there for 22 years and I got the job right after I graduated uh, with my bachelor's in elementary education. I do mentor new teachers. I I'm a nationally board certified teacher, so I also serve as an assessor of teachers who are trying to be certified as national board certified teachers. I do consulting for publishing companies. I do consulting from test for testing companies. And how are you related to your school now? Where are you working? What kind of school it is and what are you teaching? It is an elementary school that services K through 8th grade. So it's an elementary school, intermediate classes and middle school combined. We have about 990 students and it's a typical urban um, setting Chicago school. In terms of curriculum, so my certification entitles me to teach K, kindergarten through 12th grade. My favorite age to teach is middle school, um, 6th and 7th and 8th grade. Uh, We're talking about highly hormonal adolescents, and I consider myself a specialist in that field. Um, I teach language arts, which is literature and reading. And the way we teach it here, we it's combined, it's multidisciplinary. So we combine it with social studies, which includes history and geography. Having so huge experience at school, I have such question. What, in your opinion, is the most important role of the school? So obviously we're talking uh, in terms of teaching content. So in my in my case, my job is to teach my students basic reading skills and also basics of geography and history. But that's my specialty. Uh, I should probably talk about how school is organized a little bit more. So children in um, the United States start school at the age of five. That's when they start kindergarten. And that's when they learn basic skills. We're talking about basics of arithmetics, counting, and reading. Uh, By the time they reach first grade, most children are expected to be ready to read. So at that time, they're expected to know their alphabet, they're expected to start blending certain sounds, and they're expected to know sight words. Once they have that in first grade, they start combining sight words into complete sentences. And then in terms of mathematics, um, they're expected to know how to count. 
uh, in first grade, they usually have an event called the 100th day of school. And at that point, um, on the 100th date of day of school in first grade, they're expected to know how to count up to 100 and how to perform basic operations. And then they continue on with strengthening of the skills in language arts, reading, and math as they go on with their grades. Once they reach intermediate grades, we're talking about fourth and fifth grade, the subjects are more specialized. And um, depending on the school, um, they can even be in different departments. Middle school is definitely uh, by departments. So math is being taught by middle school math specialists, teachers who are certified to teach subjects. Um, I am certified to teach language arts, reading, literature, and social studies. And then once they get to high school, um, they continue their education and they take different classes and they're also taught by educators who are specialized in their field. So um, they, they are expected to know the basics of reading and math. And as they continue with grades, they dive deeper into exploration of reading, literature, and, and mathematics. And then as they reach intermediate middle school and high school, it's more specialized. There is a lot of talk these days about shifting American schooling system, yes? What is the, the ideal schooling system model for Americans nowadays? What do we want to change? It is a very broad question or concept. For many years now, the push has been to combine teaching of literature, reading, uh, with teaching of social studies, history, and geography. So that's what I've been doing for years. Um, so as an example, I'll provide an example of a unit that I may be teaching, and I'll give an example of sixth grade un unit where um, teaching ancient cultures, and we are teaching ancient Greece. And we'll combine the teaching of history and geography with novel studies. So the multidisciplinary model of teaching has been pushed throughout the years now for the longest time. I guess the newest component that we are always reminded of and we always think of is social emotional learning. And in terms of COVID, this has became the key component to be included throughout and in all subjects. We include a curriculum call, called the Calm Classroom from being relaxed and calm. So um, halfway through our lessons or at the beginning of the lesson, depending on the setup, at the beginning of each day, there will be uh, social emotional activities. Uh, students may be called to sit in a circle and we may, may do some breathing exercises. We may talk about things that are going on in the world. So that's the newest component that is being pushed at this very moment because of what's going on with COVID situation. If you're talking about COVID situation, has the American model of teaching worked well during the pandemic for online learning? What were the difficulties, advantages and disadvantages? So it's been very difficult. And as an educator living in Chicago, um, <laughs> so uh, we thought online for over a year. Um, it was all virtual instruction um, throughout 2020. And at, at, the, at the end, uh, in 2019, in March, uh, by the end of the school year, we switched to remote learning and we remained remote 
for the whole year of 2019 and 2020. At this point, because of COVID surge, we use a model that is called hybrid in case of COVID outbreaks. Um, unvaccinated children are receiving virtual instruction. Everyone else who's either already had COVID or who's been vaccinated stays home. So that's the model that that's what's happening at uh, the current moment. It, it's been challenging because certain parts of your lessons had to be adapted to virtual version or simply left out. So the pacing has been changed and obviously an incorporation of online activities instead of in-person activities. So personally, what I do at this moment is uh, because we're in person and the kids have been virtual for a year and a half, we try to do old school uh, novel reading. Well, children at this point, because we've been online for some time and the novel is also uploaded online for the ones that are not with us in person, but for the ones that are in person, here's an actual copy of a novel. We're going to read a book that looks like a book and smells like a book. And, you know, so personally, I try to go back to old school type of instruction just because the children have been on the computer they have been on the screen 24 7 at this point pretty much so certain things lots of things many things had to be adapted um, and you know virtual learning works for I would say the majority of my students however there are single cases that virtual learning just doesn't work for for different reasons uh, how do you remember your own school? So I've gotten experience um, from back in Poland, and we're talking about old school type of learning, and I excelled in my studies. So I do remember studying a lot, studying pretty much unstopped. There was lots of rote memorization of formulas, of, of turns. And then I remember high school school from the United States that basically for me only required the learning of new language. Everything else was very easy in terms of content. I think the difference that I see between old school when we went to school and the school that uh, we see now is that I guess my experiences as a teacher, but also as a parent, I have two children who are in school. I do see that there isn't much of road memorization. It's, um, it's a lot of project learning and obviously cooperative activities. You know, I don't think that there is much room for individual learning at this point. I think the promotion of cooperation and completing projects in a group or with a partner is present uh, to the point that I think my own children at this point don't know much of a concept of individual studying. When you get home, you sit down, you open your book and you simply study uh, the, the way we did. <laughs> And your children don't have this? So my children, uh, uh, so I don't see that much. Um, uh, I have a son who is quite brilliant and he doesn't, you know, he'll remember things once he hears them once, that's enough. My daughter is, it requires a little bit more of repetition. 
but like I said, it's if you are learning, you are learning as as you are working on a project. It's not that old school, you know, road memorization that you have to sit down. And we're talking about all subjects. Um, I give example of chemistry. You know, certain formulas that we had to memorize, certain symbols. That is not taking place at this point. Uh, you will be you would be given a formula card that you will have to apply to whatever project you are working on. Mm-hmm. I get the point. Yes, it's. Uh, I think the lessons in the American education system are structured in a such way as to interest the students and make them look for answer on their own. O- of course, we should uh, have some memorization, as you said. Yes, and it's. Yes. It's also important knowledge, but back to the role of teacher. Who should teach children? What features should it have? Oh, that's a very controversial issue that you raised here. My personal view is that teaching of children is a collective job that parents sh- share with teachers. Students are only with teachers for six to seven hours each day. The rest of the learning takes place at home. Um So the statement saying that teachers are in charge of teaching students, um, to me, just does not make sense because the teachers are not with students majority of their day. Um, I think teaching should be shared by teachers and parents. And I think that constant cooperation between the two sides and uh, collaboration on best way how to teach students um, is the best approach. Uh, Could you give uh, please an example of cooperation with parents, how it looks like? Uh, Yes. So uh, let's say there is a student who is having a hard time comprehending um, a concept. The teacher will reach out to a parent um, with specific issues that the student is having. And a responsive parent uh, will reach back out. And best ways to approach the student will be discussed. In that case, the teacher will be the one who provides guidance, who will provide materials for the parent, and the parent will be responsible for not implementing of the uh, concept, but more um, the parent will serve as a partner, making sure that the child at home practices certain concept. So in the ideal world that I I love to see, is that full cooperation and full support that comes from the parent. That is the ultimate goal. Sometimes, you know, the ideals that we have, they are not as easy when they're implemented in uh, real life with parents being busy, uh, with parents unable to help their children. If we are talking about ideal world, yes, uh, if you were talking about an ideal school, uh, what would it be like? Wow. And I, so like I said, that constant support of parents, it's, it's crucial to children's success. The ideal school would also teach in, in addition to basic concepts uh, of reading, math, and other subjects, the ideal school would also teach life skills. And I'll provide an example from my son's school. At the beginning of this year, before they started seventh grade curriculum, the teacher um, started the year by introducing a unit on economy. During that unit, the class 
did a full a stimulation of trading stocks at a stock market during which the children were trading stocks and aiming to make money. Uh, so to me, that's real life skills. In addition to um, life skills such as being able to balance a checkbook, that sounds so archaic, but being able to budget, being able to find reliable resources, being able to find sources of information that are legit, making sure that the students are looking at concepts from different perspectives, not just relying on one source of information. So like I said, life skills in addition to teaching of core subjects. I'm forgetting about this very important component. So also people skills, teaching of compassion, acceptance, and understanding of others. That should also be part of our curriculum. How it looks like your cooperation with other teachers? Because in Poland, we can say that each teacher has individual uh, work within one subject. There is no cooperation between mathematics and chemistry, for example, and mathematics or physics, because there is one teacher for mathemat- ma- mathematics, one teacher for physics, and uh, you also have so uh, language, art, social studies. How it looks like your cooperation with other teachers in American educational system? Well, that's something that depends on the culture of each school. I've been lucky enough to be part of building a very positive climate within my school. So we're talking about full cooperation of teachers of the same subjects. So on my team of teachers teaching language arts and social studies, we do collaborate constantly. And I'm talking about collaboration on a daily basis. Um, So like I said, the collaboration uh, among teachers happens on a daily basis. And then from time to time, I would say at least um, monthly, there is cross-grade, cross-curricular collaboration between teachers. But like I said, that depends on the culture of each school and on the mindset of teachers who work there. I'm lucky enough and I've been lucky enough to be part of an awesome team and with different people throughout the years. But I think I'm one of the people who always make sure that I model the sharing of resources, the sharing of ideas. And then when the new teachers see that constant openness and willing to share materials and ideas, they quickly catch on that that's the way to go. And, you know, it all makes, gives us less work because the materials um, that are prepared can be shared and also understanding of what other teachers are going through. Like I said, at least once a month, we all get together and we collaborate cross grade or uh, cross-curricularly. You said that school is a cooperation between teachers and uh, parents. And where is the place of children? Do you have a place for them? Can they express themselves what they they would like to teach, yes, for example, at school? That's a great question. I think um, that's the part that still requires a lot of work. As far as curriculum, uh, there isn't much room for students to contribute to how the curriculum is designed. 
that is more on individual teachers. Like, for example, um, I'll use myself. If I see that students are interested in a particular aspect of our curriculum, I'll make sure that I'll include those parts in my daily lessons. As far as planning of the entire curriculum or big chunks of curriculum, there's still a lot of room for involvement of students. And that is for all age groups. What are some of the challenges that you think school face today? <laughs> so I think funding, it's one of the challenges that schools face. I live in the city of Chicago and the funding of schools is based on the number of students that each school receives. So there may be smaller schools that don't receive as much funding and their resources may be limited. And then larger schools, and I'm in a school that is considered a larger elementary school where we receive more funding and the funding is used to purchase or implement resources and materials that are chosen by teachers. Unfortunately, there is a huge economic and racial division that still exists in Chicago. So the quality of schools still depends on the neighborhood in which the schools are located. And of course, they depend on the teacher and the involvement of teachers and obviously the involvement of parents. And the involvement of parents it depends on their economic status. Obviously, in richer areas, uh, there is much more parent involvement, much more desire to build parental support and community among the parents that is still lacking very much so in areas where the economic resources of parents are limited, the level of education of parents is limited. So like I said, it's, 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 it varies within the city greatly. How it looks like your normal week uh, at work? How many classes do you have per day? Yeah. So the schedule is the same every day. As a teacher, I have a homeroom and most teachers in my school have a homeroom. I have a seventh grade homeroom. We start at eight o'clock and I start with homeroom activities and uh, immediately we start with our class, which is language arts slash social studies. And I have my students for two hours. And then after that, I get an hour of preparation uh, period. And then I have another class that I fill in and it's basically a transitional period. I have that class for half an hour and then I have almost an hour for lunch and then at the end of the day between one and three I have another language arts uh, social studies sixth grade level class so the full day of teaching for me involves four hours of instruction uh, the rest is dedicated either to a preparation period or lunch school in the USA is definitely different from the Polish one and uh, this is especially visible in the curriculum as you say and the uh, way of assessment about the assessments and about remarks for school how it looks like in American educational system yeah so a large chunk of our instruction is driven by assessments they're standardized assessments and we do 
design our curriculum with that in mind. So, for example, in reading, as we are working on our units, we make sure that certain reading skills are covered, the skills that we know will surface on those assessments. So, for example, in reading, we do make sure that we include, for example, uh, making inferences based on the text, uh, citing texts, and being able to connect it to real world point of view activities based on the text, different genres that we include. That is always taught in mind that at the end, actually at the beginning, mid through the year and at the end of the year, there will be an assessment that in most cases will determine how great the student is doing, but also it will determine how good the teacher is in presenting the skills that need to be learned. And eventually also those assessments um, determine which high schools students will be accepted into. If we are talking about American educational system, where is a lot of projects, yes, and uh, we are thinking about achieving the results and so on, uh, where is a place for stress for students? I think in high-performing schools, um, the stress is real. Um, my son is attending um, number one school in Illinois, and it took us years to be able to get into that school because in order to make it in that school, you have to qualify based on your merits, but also to qualify, you have to uh, fulfill certain uh, requirements such as uh, living in uh, in the uh, in a tier in the city, and we're talking about socioeconomic tiers. And you know, the lower the tier you live in, is the highest the chances that you'll be accepted in a school. It took us six years for him to be accepted in that school because we live in the highest socioeconomic uh, tier, and it just took us years to get in. Uh, but the stress is real for students in that school. They are all great students. They're all high performers and they do have performing well on their mind as well. Also in America, students, high performing students or students of parents who are in a higher socioeconomic uh, areas or of higher socioeconomic status, uh, we do tend to put our kids into different kinds of sports and activities uh, and there's not much room to wiggle. So you're either at school or you're doing performing uh, the activity that you've been uh, involved in for many years. And there are certain um, kids that will have four or five different activities throughout the week. There are some kids that specialize just in one field. And so the stress is very real. And also the idea of having to perform well on an end of a year test is a very real thing. And it contributes to kids' stress and constant awareness of having to achieve high. In my particular school, you know, keeping children motivated and wanting to do well is the biggest challenge. Now I have some philosophical questions to you. <laughs> what is a school for you in general? What is a school for me? It's a community. It's a safe place where children can learn, receive support and place that children can enjoy. 
I like uh, your definition. Uh, I can feel that you spent 20, more than 20 years in school. It's very close uh, to you. Thank you very much indeed for being with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you.